Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. <laughs> There's a small, almost throwaway joke author Sarah Thuncombe Matthews makes in today's interview that'll stick with me for a bit. Her book, All This Could Be Different, follows a young 20-something woman named Sneha who's just out of college and entering the post-09 recession world. And she does what a lot of folks in their 20s do, have sex and make friends. But at such a specific time, and in this interview with Here and Now's Robin Young, Matthews talks about showing the book to her younger sister, and she jokingly calls it a 2013 period piece. Which, like, is kind of true, right? There's an air of both optimism and gloom to that time that makes a unique setting for a coming-of-age novel. Just a heads up, uh, there was a lot of buzz over this book, and this interview was taped just ahead of the National Book Awards, which Matthews didn't win, but come on, being a finalist ain't too shabby. The National Book Awards are tonight, a huge honor for any author. But what if this is your first nomination, your first book, and you're just 31? Well, then you would be Sarah Thuncombe Matthews, nominated for her extraordinary debut novel, All This Could Be Different. Set in Milwaukee in 2013, it centers around 22-year-old college grad Sneha, the daughter of immigrant parents who were unfairly deported back to India in a scandal that's humiliated all of them. Sneha, left in the U.S., has just graduated into a recession and lands a job that is a laughable scam. But for her parents, she projects the image of the successful, smart Indian awaiting an arranged marriage. What she's actually doing is eating out of food pantries and flinging herself into lesbian relationships, trying to find who she really is. And what she finds is the friends we suspect will be her second family for life. Again, the novel is All This Could Be Different, and Sarah Thuncombe Matthews joins us now. Welcome. Congratulations, the National Book Award nominee. The winner is announced tonight. How are you doing with this? I'm doing really well. I just can't believe how lucky this little book has been. Well, it's also so interesting because we're reading that you were struggling to write it during the height of the pandemic, living in uh, Bedford-Stuyvesant in New York. And Mm -hmm. you decided to take a break and start a neighborhood mutual aid network on Slack. It ended up supporting 23,000 people. I mean, talk about really wanting to get away from your writing. (laughs) You know, I mean, what what did that do for you? What did that do to unlock what obviously came out on the page here? That's a really lovely question. You know, for me, I really wanted to do something to take care of myself and other people around me and worked to found this mutual aid group, which is called Bedside Strong. What working in mutual aid organizing gave me was purpose and a space to sort of practice my political commitments and a reminder that, one, I wasn't alone, and two, that I could be good at doing something. I think one of the things I'd been struggling with when I was depressed and working on trying to complete a novel was the sense of confidence. And so at some point in those months of all-consuming organizing, I checked in with myself and I thought, what I still really want to do more than anything else is write. Mm. And so, you know, I went back to my computer and started to write what became this book. It was different than the project I'd worked on for almost seven years. I felt like what I wanted to do was tell a story that paid attention to some of the things that I'd spent so much of my 2020 really thinking about, you know, these questions of what do we owe each other? What does it mean to live in community? That 
is what is so compelling about the book, this sense of community, which is what your character, Sneha, begrudgingly, you know, starts to surround herself with. She's a little prickly. And yet there you, <laughs> there you have, you know, her college friend, Tom. What a great friend he becomes. A black woman from Milwaukee, Tig, who mm-hmm. um, your character meets on a dating app. She's also a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Am- Amit, who your character had briefly dated in college. It's just such a reminder of the possibility of that tumbling puppy circle of friends that you can still have in your 20s. Moved out of childhood, not yet saddled with mortgage payments. Talk about those people. Are they reflective of real people in your life? I think that there are definitely things that are borrowed from loved ones in my actual life. But more than anything, I think, is this, as you said, the tumbling puppy, you know, Mm -hmm. sense that I was trying to convey of youthful but also very, very deep and abiding friendship. And part of what this book is interested in is tracking those friendships across time. And I wanted, I think, for the novel to feel a little bit like you started with one person who in some ways is a little bit of an everyman. She's not trying to become one of the great anythings. Hmm. She's also not a very political person. And it's through circumstance and choice and sort of stumbling into situations that she finds herself surrounded by this cast of like very particular and Mm. loving characters, you Mm. know, this little nest of friendship. And the novel sort of opens up from one woman's sort of coming of age story into this group portrait of young people forging community through love and through struggle. He said, you know, you sat down at your computer and my immediate thought was, and then did it like catch on fire because Sneha is just deciding that she's going to really lean into being a lesbian. <laughs> it's just, I mean, lots and lots and lots of um, sexual encounters and, and very graphic. It's just mm. part of her life and part of the story. Your sense at approaching that because Sneha also is the child of Indian immigrants, you know, they don't even know yet. And obviously... I mean, she doesn't want to tell them yet. Your thoughts on that part of the book? For her, it's a real act of bravery Mm. to act on her desire. And the way in which she acts on her desire for women with the kind of desperation that she does has everything to do with this complicated compromise that she's set out for herself, where she tells herself, I have these years, a few of them, And then I'm going to do the right thing by my parents and marry a man that they choose who I won't have desire for, who I won't love. Mm -hmm. And so I think it informs, you know, her sort of thirsty and somewhat desperate and sometimes not wholly ethical behavior when it comes to being a young person Mm -hmm. in a new city trying to like hook up with a bunch of people and a bunch of women in her case. At one point, I think we read that Sneha was in court when this thing, this unfair thing happened to her father, and her father and mother were sent back to India. And Sneha was 17 when that happened. And I think I read somewhere that you came to this country when you were 17. Mm -hmm. Is there any of this that's even slightly autobiographical about your family's journey here? The history that Sneha's family has with criminalization and deportation is not autobiographical. But what I will say is that I had one meaningful 
deportation scare when I was an undergrad. And so I've had some experiences that have underlined for me the legal precarity of being an immigrant, even a documented immigrant in this country. But in so many ways, I just wanted to tell a story of an Indian American that did not necessarily conform to a lot of the most commonly held up stereotypes about the Indian American experience. Yeah. And it's going to throw people who are no longer anywhere near their 20s back to their 20s because a lot of it is universal. I mean, look in here. There's a dinner table. It held five MacBooks laid out like play settings. I mean, just <laughs> the images. And um, for those who are more recently uh, moving from that decade, it's I mean, it's just spot on. Have you heard from friends who were with you in those times, you know, in the 20s or in the Bed-Stuy, Strong, Slack, or what's been the response? What I've been really moved to experience as the book has come out into the world and as it's received more attention is the book seems able to connect with people who, sure, have some of the life experiences of my character or who are in their 20s or what have you. Um, I have a younger sister, um, about five years younger, and I felt incredibly glad that she and her friends didn't think that, you know, this period piece set in 2013 was (laughs) too dated for them. But honestly, what has been very moving to me is when folks have reached out to me and said things like, hey, listen, like I'm like a 47-year-old, you know, straight guy and your book really meant a lot to me and I saw parts of my family or my experience in it. You just never know what a book will do when it's out in the world and how other people will experience it. So it's been very moving for me to, in some ways, see a bet I made, you know, not knowing how it would work out, play out well. And the bet for me was, let me tell as truthful and specific and vulnerable a story as possible in the hopes that it can access some kind of universality. Sarah Thunkel Matthews, her book, the National Book Award finalist, is All This Could Be Different. Sarah, good luck, but already, you know, what you've accomplished (laughs) is great. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. 